The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. Bonus Marion McCone and Cal Thomas this week as we assess what happened in what we regard as critical midterm elections in the United States, in which the anticipated red wave for the Republicans did not materialise. Let's hear a little bit of Donald Trump in an interview last night before counting began, in which he was asked how much of the Republican performance, win or lose, would be his responsibility. Well, I think if they win, I should get all the credit. And if they lose, I should not be blamed at all. Okay, but it'll probably be just the opposite. Uh, When they win, I think they're going to do very well. I'll probably be given very little credit, even though in many cases I told people to run. And they ran and they turned out to be very good candidates. You know, they've turned out to be very good candidates. Uh, But usually what would happen is uh, when they do well, I won't be given any credit. And if they do badly, they will blame everything on me. So I'm prepared for anything, but we'll defend ourselves. Ah, the narcissism on full display again. Cal Thomas, though, the Republicans are poised to win one, if not both, houses of Congress. But it doesn't seem to have had the potentially transformative consequences for the Biden presidency as predicted. What has gone on? Not yet, Matt, but there are still four Senate seats in play as of this moment and 62 seats in the House, so all the voting hasn't been done. But I'll tell you, looking ahead to 2024, and you're right, the red wave did not materialize. There are many reasons for this, including uh, some poor Republican candidates, the Democrat strategy of pouring money into the primary campaigns to get uh, far right wing and inexperienced Republican nominees for the general election appears to have, if not paid off, at least uh, uh, done them some good. But the real story, I think, is in Florida on two levels. Ron DeSantis won his race for re-election as governor of Florida by nearly 20 points over his uh, opponent, Val Demings. I think that this, I mean, uh, uh, Charlie Crist, excuse me, uh, I think this is very significant for 2024. I think he is the future of the Republican Party. I think he has an excellent chance of replacing Donald Trump as the uh, leading candidate in 2024. The other thing I would say about Florida, as you know, and your listeners know from uh, following American elections, we have had trouble in this country with voting machines and other processes that have uh, contributed to conspiracy theories. In Florida, they have an app uh, called Follow Your Ballot, where after you vote, you can go online and see when your ballot arrives at the county counting station, when it's opened, and when it's been counted. This is remarkable, and every state ought to adopt this policy. So I think those are two very, very good things that came out of this election. Marion McCone, last night we spoke about Donald Trump and his anticipated announcement next Tuesday that he's running for the Republican nomination for the presidency again. Has that ambition of his been damaged by these results? Because despite the whinging we heard from him there in that interview, it does seem to be the case that some of the most prominent extremists that he championed have not delivered when it came to getting the votes. Yeah, I think absolutely. Look, I I just want to say that the significance of this is, I think, huge. Now, I've been saying all along that I think the Democrats will keep the Senate and lose the House narrowly. And I, I 
hate to say I told you so, but I think that's exactly what's going to happen. I think that they're going to hang on. George has gone to a runoff, okay? So that's just... What does that mean? That Rafa- well, it means that neither candidate, Warnock, uh, Raphael Warnock, the Democratic candidate, is ahead by about 18,000 votes at the moment. But in Georgia, you have to get over 50% of the vote to be elected outright. If both candidates get under 50%, and there is a third candidate who's picked up about 2%, then it goes to a runoff. So at the moment, Raphael Warnock has about nine, I beg your pardon, 49.4% of the vote, and uh, Herschel Walker has about 48.6% of the vote, I think. So they're going to go to a runoff. But now, this is the dynamic that I think is going to play out. I believe very strongly that Mark Kelly is going to win in Arizona, that he's going to beat Blake Masters, as I've said before. And I think now in Nevada that Catherine Master Cortez, the Democratic candidate, may beat Adam Laxalt, in which case, the Senate stays exactly as it is. How does that affect the runoff? I, I think that the GOP turnout was because they really believed that if Walker won, that they could get control of the Senate. Now, if the Democrats keep control of the Senate, I don't think the same incentive is going to be there for them to turn out in December to support Walker again. Uh, but I, I think so. What, you know, what's, what's significant to me about all of this is, and I think it's a huge relief, and I think America has pulled back from the brink. We spoke yesterday and I've said before that we were on the brink of America having really its last free and fair elections. There was a, a woman running in Michigan for Secretary of State who had vowed to fix it for Trump. The same in Pennsylvania with Doug Mastriano. He would have appointed the next Secretary of State. The same in Arizona, the same in Nevada and in, in one other state that's now escaping me. That would have been that four of the key swing states would have had their elections rigged in 2024 and they were announcing it ahead of it. So none of these people have got in. And I think America looked at what was coming down the pipe. They looked at the appallingness of what was going on, the attack on Paul Pelosi, the the abortion rights being taken away, which affects half of the country, let's face it. And we did say before that a lot of young men and women have registered since that um, decision in June. And I think they all turned out to vote. Um, and I think also that Americans, thank God, value their democracy and they just didn't like the road it was taken. Well, let me go to Cal on that because Cal last night, you were a bit dismissive about uh, threats to democracy and you felt that people would vote about things like inflation and gas prices and things like that. Exit polls showed that about 70% of voters actually do fear that democracy is under threat. So many of them did actually vote along the lines that Marion has just outlined. Well, democracy isn't in threat when you have a record turnout of voters, Matt. I mean, this is this is a line promoted by President Biden and the Democrats. If you don't vote for them, then democracy is in threat. If you vote for them, then democracracy is not in threat. This is typical, and the media promote this sort of thing all the time. Sorry, sorry, so Cal, sorry, no, are... sorry. I do have to interrupt you there because this uh, did come up last do. night. No, no, because, as I said to you last night, Yes, everyone might vote, but it's how the votes are counted and how the officials in charge honestly uh, give the actual results properly is what counts. And what Marion has just explained to us is that there were candidates who were running for official state positions who all lost, but they were deliberately saying that they would misrepresent the outcome of the vote if it didn't suit them. That's a threat to democracy. 
I'm totally against that, of course, as I've said before. I think uh, voters ought to have their say. I think the votes ought to be accurately counted, as they were in Florida. There's no controversy in Florida today. Uh, people believe the outcome. And uh, even though Kathy Hochul amazingly won her uh, election in New York against Lee Zeldin, uh, still, I mean, Zeldin is now uh, conceded. I, I think that that proves democracy works. But look, talking about polls, this is what is, is amazing. A huge number of Americans believe the country is on the wrong track, Matt. The uh, Economist YouGov poll that came out just before the election showed that, shows that 50% viewed Biden, the president, unfavorably. 51% view Kamala Harris, the vice president, unfavorably. Uh, 54% believe Nancy Pelosi is uh, unfavorable. And on the Republican side, 51% view Donald Trump unfavorably, Kevin McCarthy, the minority leader, 42% unfavorably, and Mitch McConnell, the minority leader in the Senate, 57% unfavorably. So giving all of these things, why would they vote for people who have given us high crime, high prices, high gas prices, an uncontrolled border, and all of these other things? It doesn't make sense. I guess it proves what the late writer H.L. Mencken said in the late 19th century, no one ever went broke underestimating the intelligence of the American public. Okay, but it's Donald Trump going politically broke by underestimating the potential of some of the candidates that he championed, such as Mehmet Oz, for example. Because apparently, yes. according to Maggie Haberman, who has written an authoritative biography of Trump, uh, Trump is blaming his wife for persuading him to back that guy. Well, I'm not sure I believe that. You know, you get a lot of anonymous sources out there and books and uh, people who are not to be quoted, so you don't really know. But I think Trump is the past. I think his vitriol, I think his personality, and even some of his policies. I mean, he was a strong protectionist. He increased spending a lot, which is very, very anti-Republican uh, when, you're, when you're in charge of the government, when you're president of the United States. And we don't need him anymore. The, the torch needs to be passed to a new generation and that new generation is represented by, I believe, uh, Ron DeSantis. Okay, Ron DeSantis, Marion. I mean, could he actually be more of a danger, perhaps, to the Democrats than Trump in that he won't get the same visceral anti-reaction so that the, the Democrats might find it harder to get somebody to beat him? You know, I think if Ron DeSantis did two things, A, if he developed a personality and B, if he gave up these vicious cultural wars that he involves himself in, like attacking the LGBT community, attacking corporations who don't agree with him, firing officials who don't agree with him. I think he's a little mini despot, but he is a very smart guy and he is a very hardworking guy. And I think that, you know, basically I'm, what I'm saying, I suppose, if he had a personality transplant, he could actually be a good president. But he certainly, I, I agree with Cal. I think that um, Trump, you know, let's look at 2018 very briefly. In 2018, Trump lost 40 seats. He lost 40 seats in Congress. The American people said no to Donald Trump in a big way in the midterms. That that midterm was a referendum on Donald Trump. Now, as I said before on the show, Donald Trump made these midterms a referendum on him too. And guess what? He lost again. So Donald Trump is a one-term president who lost the, the White House the Senate and the Congress for the Republicans. And now he's basically screwed them in the midterms Would as well. Would you agree with that, Cal? It's past time he went. 
Yeah, I would. And, uh, of course, uh, if he hadn't gone down and told people in Georgia in the last election that your vote doesn't count, the whole system is screwed up, we wouldn't have had Raphael Warnock uh, in the Senate, and a lot of these things that got pushed through would not have gotten pushed through. So I hope he stays out of the runoff in Georgia, and I think he needs to retire to Mar-a-Lago uh, privately, uh, but I don't think he's going to do it. I don't think his narcissistic personality is going to allow him to do it. It's all about him, but it's not all about him. It's about the country. Marion, what about that woman you mentioned yesterday as a potential vice presidential running mate with Trump, Carrie Lake out in Nevada? How did things go for her? Well, she had a vicious... um, Her party last night did not go as she planned. The attacks on individual Democrats last night that she made were just appalling. She then threatened the media, said she was going to be their worst freaking nightmare, and that she'd fix the media, basically, if she was elected, they'd start acting like journalists again. Uh, Carrie Lake, to me, it, her day is that she's... It, it, uh, Katie Hobbs is ahead of her at the moment, the, the Democratic woman, which again is extraordinary because I spent so much time in Arizona. Katie Hobbs did no events. She didn't appear anywhere. She didn't even debate Carrie Lake. The fact that she's marginally ahead of her at the moment is about two-thirds of the votes are in. And, you know, Arizona has a way to go yet to be counted fully. But, and of course, Carrie Lake is crying foul and saying that there's a conspiracy and there's cheating and that the, it was rigged. But I, I think that Katie Hobbs could just pull it out of the bag. And if she does, it will be astonishing. I don't think Carrie Lake is over, though. But what's very interesting is today, Glenn Youngkin, who who played the the Republican Mr. Nice Guy when he won the uh, governor uh, of, of Virginia, and he was one of the first Republicans then to mock Paul Pelosi after he was attacked in that awful attack where his skull was fractured with a hammer. Just this morning, for some reason, uh, Glenn Youngkin sent a handwritten apology to Nancy Pelosi saying he was really sorry for what he said, unforgivable, etc., etc. And immediately I thought, now guess who's running for president in 2024? Because he now clearly sees that Trump has been weakened and that there might be a way in for him as the the nice Republican, that people are sick of all this ugliness and viciousness and that, you know, Ron DeSantis is not a likable guy. You know, he may be a smart guy, but he's not a likable guy. And I think Glenn Young can seize a little gap in, in the market for him now. Thank you very much, Marion McKeown and Carl Thomas. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today FM.